13th floor. Thirteenth floor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the thirteenth floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I am your moderator, B. Jones, and I got my guys with me today, Mr. Logistics, B.J. What's happening? Everything's all good, man. Nice flowers in the background, bro. Hey, wife's uh, Mother's Day present from the little one. Those ain't flowers. That's ambiance. Yeah, Mother's Day, and they still living. Y'all doing good over there. No, she doing good. So <laughs> <laughs> then the day after that, don't be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Mike D, what's happening, baby? What's going on, fellas? What's going on, everyone? Uh, graduation week. Shouts to my oldest daughter who graduated high school. My youngest daughter made it to high school. So, congratulations! Nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. out, one in. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> water cheers! Water cheers! So are you like the done parent? Like, you know what I'm saying? Get out my house, go make your uh, life for yourself? It's not necessarily a get out my house. It's more <laughs> you ready. You, it's more you ready to go. So I'm excited to see what it's going to be. You're on your own. You get to make your own decisions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch her fly. So it's hey, good. hey, hey, where did Michael? Why did Michael go running? <laughs> uh, he, he saw the recording and he saw everybody on. So Come on, Mike. What's up, man? I know you probably can't hear me, no, man. Let me see that hi. arm, man. Come on, say hi. You got to get in the Get in the, the camera. camera, man. You gotta get in the camera. Yeah, you, go. Say hey, you throwing that heat out there. Yeah, that's how you gonna do. Pitch. <laughs> <laughs> <over here> grinning. <laughs> that's what's up, man. DJ Barry, be fresh. What's going on, baby? Ah, uh, you know another wonderful day in Wakanda, baby. We out here. We ready. We fresh. We invigorated. Let get it. Hey, did you get the? Um, did you go see Superfly? I didn't see it yet. Um, I'm definitely excited to go see it, but no, I haven't had the opportunity. I'm normally not a um, go to the movie guy. Like that's just not my normal mo. I need to be more like Art, and um, you know, I always idolize the fact that Art, ever since I've known him, has absolutely zero problems heading to the theater by himself and enjoying, you know, a flick or two. And I need to get more on my dean and do that myself. So not yet. But soon come. Soon come. Speaking of phase on, what's going on, sir? What's going on, everybody? Uh, man, life. Life's going on. It's been good, though. It's been a good good week. That Michael Myers doll is creepy, man. I'm just letting you know. Where's the mic? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Halloween guess. yet, man. Not Halloween no. yet. Halloween every day for art. Every day. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and last but not least, our honorable coach, Kate. What's happening, baby? Man, what's going on? I'm... Happy to see everybody this morning. Just, you know, man, living life, man. Living life. Smiling faces. You look I'm good today. On the, uh, on, on the upside of the roller coaster right now. On the upside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a, a, an event uh, a few yes. days ago, man. How was it? Oh, man, I, I think it was great, man. You guys know me. You know, I'm my hardest critic. So, you know, That's I know fair. every little thing that I would have done differently. But so far, the feedback's been great. Uh, the people say they want more. So we're going to give them more. When the get the people what they want. You got to get the people what they want. And, and listen, man, look, this thing is so powerful, fellas. Like, and not just my speaking and, and all that stuff, but like even what we do on a weekly basis. So I spoke to a friend of mine I hadn't spoke to in a few months. And, uh, you know, he's, I can't really call him a white guy, but he's white Native American. Um, and uh, he called me and he was like, hey, man, I just want to thank you you know, for what you're doing. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? 
he was like, man, I see all the stuff you're doing on the internet, man. You know, I see Fledgeology. I see the 13th floor. He's like, I watch every week. He's like, I don't miss. He's like, you guys are so inspiring. And he's like, even though I'm not your target audience, um, man, there's still so much positive messages coming out of there. And I was like, what makes you think you're not our target audience? I know what he's talking about. He's thinking because he's a, a, a white guy, Native American. I'm like, look, man, that's not it, man. Our, our messages are for everybody. But mm -hmm. definitely deliver it from a different perspective, and it's actually a perspective that you can identify with because exactly. you're that person that's not looked at as, you know, that successful, progressive, you know, super uh, influential person. But but you are in your own way, and we all identify with that. So you absolutely fall into our target audience. So he was just like, "Yeah, man, you guys are really inspiring me, you know, to do more stuff, to get off my tail, and go get stuff done." and you know, I see you guys are fathers. He's like, I, I don't have any excuse. He's like, you know, I don't even have kids. And, you know, I come home from work and just plop down on the couch. And if you guys can do it, he's like, I know that, you know, I can get it done. So shout out to my man, Howard Condren. Uh, if you out there listening, man, we time for Howard. We make sure that we give you a uh, 13th floor T-shirt. Um, just let us know that you have heard this episode. There it is. There it is. Fellas, um, I want to do a quick update, man. Mike, we're gonna need your help, man. You're gonna have to get this, uh, uh, get this out in Ohio. Uh, I sent out a, a article a couple, maybe a week ago, about the voter registration law they passed or the Supreme Court upheld in Ohio. So basically, mm -hmm. uh, with the, the NVRA, the National Voter Registration Act, passed some years ago during civil rights uh, movement, it basically prohibited the uh, Supreme Court or voters to be stricken from roles based on their non-voting pattern, but uh, apparently there's been a lawsuit uh, against that uh, provision in the NVRA that now allows, if you haven't voted in, I believe it's two consecutive elections, national elections, they send this card to your house, whether you get it or not, or it's confirmed that you got it or not, it doesn't matter. But if you do not send this registration card back to the voter registration office within Ohio, you will be removed from the roles as a registered voter. And it's gonna impact a lot of our community, I believe. Disenfranchised uh, community. Disenfranchised community, and then it's systemic. And so it's, these are some of the things we alluded to, not necessarily a part of the Constitution, Mike, but the things that have we need to be aware of because if we can be in a part of that influence to influence that change, you don't have these uh, unfair provisions being added because they, they are definitely trying to justify it and pull the wool over your head. But with uh, this election being as important, if not more, than the last one, the last thing we need is for our people, our voters in general, to be stricken from the roles so that they can control that, I think, the Rust Belt, as, as it uh, was called. And this, prov this same provision is going to come up within like six or seven other states they're talking about. So it's really big because this is setting precedent. So if you're not sure whether you're registered to vote, I know you see all the signs going up now because the midterms are coming. Please, please go to your, your uh, voter registration websites or go to uh, the libraries, wherever you need to go to get registered so that you're able to participate in this year's election because that's the last thing we want to have happen. Carol, you look like you're here to say something. Carol? Oh, man, I just hear it. I just hear my little Velociraptor making his way this direction. That's <laughs> 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 true. Asher, what's up, man? Bring him on. 
He hasn't made it to the room yet, but I hear him. Easy. Uh, It's interesting that you mentioned that for Ohio. So, like, I've been involved with Ohio politics since I came back from the U in 98. So about 2000, I started getting involved in it. And Mm -hmm. it is a, um, it is an interesting, basically. Yeah, that's a great word, BJ. Um, so it's those that are actually in the crowd and it's those that are participants in the circus. So once you get within that three ring part, it's not about any type of platform. It's not about any type of, uh, party. It's about, all right, well, how much money can I make for knocking on these doors? How much can I actually say that I knocked on your door and got your registration, but I kind of forged your signature and then I'm keeping moving. It's wild. Um, to a point where I can almost bet somebody is trying to figure out a way to get some type of grant, some type of money in order to go door knocking to make sure that people know about that law change. Um, so it's, it's, I'd be interested to see how the differences are within the three major cities. Mm-hmm. So between Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland versus how that plays out in more rural communities that are white or that are not so much of African-American, like a large majority with the demographics, just to how that plays out, even in within the city of Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati, like the difference between the African-American neighborhoods versus those that don't have as much, how they actually get that out to get those people engaged, to get them registered, to get them to know, to get them to vote. It's completely different strategies, completely different people that are doing it. Um, you think of NAACP, and I know we had conversations about NAACP and Urban League and kind of where they play and their roles in the community. It's more grassroots. But these are like guys that think they are sharp, like the uh, what's the minister guy with uh, 45, uh, high-collar preacher guy. Uh, we spoke about him before. Um, yeah, like he was supposed like, to be helping put together that uh, that yeah, summit that like, still has not happened. That's Cleveland politics. <clears throat> like he's the guy that's leading folks to the like. <laughs> he's really seriously. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Like I think we can have more of an impact that's genuine to the community than you know, on those political leaders to kind of get in the forefront of it because they probably ain't read it. They probably ain't done nothing with it unless it affects their community. And if y'all hearing it, uh, it just is what it is. So we're speaking truth. Love you to death, but. I'm sure uh, Ohio is not the only place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, nah, there's several other states that could potentially be affected by this thing, man. So hopefully. They're just you know, watching and waiting. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. with, with that precedent being set, we talked about it already, man. The system is uh, in place to keep us uh, mm-hmm. under, under. Yeah. So just, just like a quick, real quick. So like, I, I met a very famous uh, city of Cleveland councilwoman, um, law named after her, everything. Awesome woman, um, knew Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, whole nine. First meeting I had, she had her assistant asked me for my address. Wrote down a piece of paper. He came back two minutes and was like, nah, he don't live in your ward. And like immediately she shut down the conversation. It was like, <laughs> like, like your vote doesn't matter to me. There, right? there will be no time wasted with you. No. <laughs> we, we got about five minutes on my head. And I'm out of here. Okay. Uh, wow. Appreciate it, Councilwoman. Appreciate it. Wow. 
And literally, she like closed her eyes, sat down in her chair, and that was it. I was like, I'm going to sleep. You want to keep talking? You can talk to me while I'm asleep. But other than that, can't help you. Wow. Politics, baby. Politics. So, Mike, I want to stay with you, man. Uh, I want to get into a topic that we mentioned a little bit when Jamal was on. He spoke about post-traumatic sports disorder and how he kind of suffered from that. Uh, But post-traumatic disorders are more common amongst our group, and it doesn't just happen with sports. Uh, Me and Carol talked about it and found several other areas that you might find this in, whether it be graduating college, I think Fresh mentioned as an example, post-traumatic disorder in the workplace with accomplishments, or even in your marriage or if you're recently divorced. Um, but I know, Mike, you probably had a, a bout with it from the sports scene, from your uh, leaving so I Cleveland. Think, I think I think before we even get into that, uh, I think we have to talk about the common misconception of when you hear people talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, um, they automatically connect that to the military. Mm-hmm. And people that have served, people that have been in, you know, in war and combat. Um, not realizing that, hey, there are many different forms, as you just stated, of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, just that phrase itself, post-traumatic stress disorder, applies to pretty much everything that we're going to talk about. Because once you get into that stressful environment, that stressful situation, and how you react to that, that creates the disorder. So, uh, you know, just wanted to frame that up for the for the listeners and the viewers, because they really need to understand what that all applies to. Agreed. Absolutely. And I mean, with, with your situation, Mike, um, you know, did it start in Cleveland or was it before you, when you got to Miami? Because I know you mentioned two instances um, and I don't know from your story. I think the first one might have been with that missed free throw. Yeah, uh, start with the free throws, man. Don't, <laughs> don't start this in a storage spot, but absolutely. I, I would say that's where it began. Um so, like, I've always, like, as time kind of went on, you start playing, like, similar as it is now, you know, like, you guys that are, like, McDonald's All-Americans. So, when you're playing in high school, there's always this um, this acknowledgement of where your ranking is kind of within the country, and then they get you based off your rankings to different camps that are throughout the country. So, I had an opportunity to play at a younger age, freshman, sophomore high school with guys that eventually ended up in the NBA. So it's like you begin to get a understanding of kind of where you fit early on. Um, so like my first camp, like I'm literally walking out and Anthony Hardaway's pointing to me like, I got you. I'm like, dude, you six seven, you ain't got me. I'm playing point guard. He's like, yeah, me too. Holy crap. Um, whereas in Cleveland, you're looking at like your six seven guys, the center. Right. So you begin to see the difference in size, you go through it, you start to get to be a senior high school, you get all these recruitment calls, and you start to think of yourself not so much as a high school player, but you begin to envision the end goal on where you're going to end up. So, like, I would literally, I can shoot free throws with my eyes closed and bang them. And literally that game, for whatever happened, the universe was in a place like, you're not making none of these. So 11 one-on-ones. I miss all of them, and my first thought is once the game is over, we lose by one point. Like, I'm getting as far away from as this is possible. So that's basically part of the thought process for going to Miami. Um, and then after the year, when you had a situation that happened with the coach, and it's like, all right, look, I need to go. I stayed at Miami as a way to prove that I would be able to get an education without having the sport background. 
but the whole time understanding that if I had to gone somewhere, I could be in a different position. So as I'm watching the NBA, I see Jason Kidd. I see Anthony Hardaway. I see the O'Bannon brothers. I see Eric Montrose. I see Kenny Anderson. I see all these guys that they're talking about that are playing in the NBA. I see guys that are coming into the U playing. And it's like we're playing at CSR. And they're like, hey, man, why don't you come back out for the team? Nah, until dude. So, like, everything, all of my decisions were kind of based off of the I know I could be here um, in terms of being able to play in the league, but I'm not. So it was kind of that thing kind of just stuck with me. And everything that I did was to it. So, like, even when you talk about working out, like, fresh was like, well, don't work out. Like, you're going back to the league. Like, I continue to do those type of workouts I continue to lift weights like I you know potentially one day I can go back to the league um, even when I left Miami and came home there was a thought that you know the Cavs do open tryouts so maybe I can go down for an open tryout so came back played a little bit this is before Des was born and like literally I hurt my knee so I was like all right well can't do that well I'm gonna work out from the knee and maybe I'll come back um, and even all the way up until 2014, when I tore my Achilles, like that was the whole thought process. Like I still have that dream, that thought of one day potentially playing in the NBA, um, regardless if I'm 40 years old or not, it's still the thought that drives you because that became something that defined and I don't say necessarily define a hundred percent of me, but it was known. So I still see people from high school. Like some of my close friends, like every now and then we'll just be hanging out. They're like, man, I don't believe you missed those free throws. Like, dude, like we're 45 years old. Really? They're like, yeah, man, wow. but like you missed the free throws. Really? Like, ah, oh, man, we could have won stage champ. My coach didn't talk to me for years because, I mean, that was his thought of like we going to the state championship. Like we were one of the top two teams in the state that year. Um, and even people that see me, they'll introduce me like Mike was a star high school basketball player. And now that kind of has changed and even so much that it affected how I raised Michael. So as soon as he was born, it was like the first thing, like he's not playing football and he's not playing basketball flat out. So if he wants to learn basketball, he's going to have to figure it out on his own. Whereas when Des was born, I mean, she was six months and I had a basketball in her infant carrier um, and told her, like, if he's going to learn, you're going to have to teach him. And at first she got mad about it, but it was all those thought processes that went into kind of how the things that I went through, like, I don't want him to have to go through that. So he's going to play baseball because there isn't those expectations that are put on baseball players. There isn't the limelight. There isn't the scandals. There isn't the girls don't go to baseball games. They know who the basketball players are. They know who the football players are. So you got Friday Night Lights. That's football. You got the, all the stuff that's crazy happening with everything with the all-star games. That's basketball. But for baseball, they expect you to go to college. Contracts are guaranteed. You all low-key. They look like regular, everyday dudes. Um, whereas basketball, if you ain't 6'9", you pretty much stopping at your high Division One school unless you're just a superior athlete. So all of that in terms of going through those traumas, starting from the free throws, starting from the situation with Miami with coach, uh, no names mentioned. <coughs> um, <laughs> like all of that literally changed my whole vision, but it also put me on a path where I am now. So if I hadn't gone there, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have met Carol. I wouldn't have met everybody else. I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have been able to become, who the bros are. I wouldn't have met my wife. Like it would have been a whole different thought process if I had to chose to leave and do something else. So 
Brad, I'm sure you got some follow-up questions. Don't don't forget them writing down if you need to. But <clears throat> I think Mike did something that, unbeknownst to him, kind of creates um, maybe our insensitivity or maybe our, our, our lack of ability to recognize post-traumatic stress disorder because he talked about the sports. He talked about the girls and the guys, and he said, oh, well, you know, maybe baseball players, you know, they don't have that kind of pressure or, you know, the girls don't have that type of pressure with what they're doing. Um, and I think that's where we, we, do, we don't realize that the, the stress happens at their level, right? It might not be the same as what Mike went through. And with, with little Mike playing baseball, there's still going to be a certain level of stress that he's going to experience, right? Mm, and, and that's just what he knows. So he doesn't have that comparison. So the post-traumatic stress disorder can still develop it within what he understands. Mm -hmm. so I think we have to be careful how we approach that because, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like there's these girls, there are girls that play, you know, high school volleyball, high school softball. They get to college, they want to play volleyball or softball and it's just mm -hmm. a different mentality it's just a different level of um, of competition mm -hmm. right and, and, and let's face it that competition piece is what creates a lot of the stress of mm -hmm. other people are able to do that i'm not able to do and that's even outside of the sports so i think you know we got to make sure we open up and all of us have kids and we got to make sure that they understand that they still need to come talk to us and talk to us about i'm sorry i just said talk twice but they still need to be able to feel that we are open to hearing what they have to say because if we set that comparison, now we're putting something else on top of what they're going through already. And we got to make sure that they know it is okay to come talk to us about what you're experiencing at your level. So that could be Destiny. That could be Michael. That could be any of us. You know, it could be Taylor, Kaylin. Even at this point, if you think about it, Pop Warner League sports are getting so competitive and there's so much pressure at this point for the kids to perform. And what's probably driving some of that is some of the stress disorder that the coaches are going through from what they were trying to do. Right. Mm -hmm. The same way that you said, hey, I didn't even want him to play basketball. You know, there are coaches out there that they didn't make it. And now they're trying to push these kids so hard to the point where they're going Absolutely. to make it and creating something totally different as far as what the, that um, stress is on them. Absolutely. I was going to say also stress is relative, right? That it's, it's something that stresses me out is not going to necessarily stress, you know, any of you guys out. And so it's that impact and more importantly, how it resonates throughout your lifetime and what you do as far as um, who are you, you know, relieving that stress with what is your outlet because you wind up doing like Mike did where it's like you're carrying these 11 free throws with you for life instead of realizing, like we were talking about last week, um, everything that you do is for a reason. You are, you are here. We are here on this podcast again having this discussion because it's meant to be. And when you get in that space of acceptance and understanding that even in the times that you consider um, something, you know, quote-unquote bad happened, that really that's that experience in, in providing you that new level of understanding in your life in order for you to, in a sense, level up and, and, and be able to have that, that understanding. But it's not necessarily for you to use it as a, a crutch or a, you know, 
that's what I lean on by default as an excuse or reason as to why I'm um, not going to do something or that I'm going to push, you know, some sort of thought process on my child uh, because of the trauma that I've been through as opposed to just because you um, didn't enjoy it or, or, you know, had a, a bad experience with it. It doesn't mean that that's just the um, natural playing field of everything. And so it's about that understanding and, and exception, um, acceptance, excuse me, of being in the moment and, and, and enjoying and embracing, you know, what's going on at all times. One thing that, that adds to that piece, Ian, is, is you're absolutely right, especially if you're in a relationship with stress affects people in different ways. Um, especially when you got kids involved, you really have to understand that how you stress sets their expectation, their thought pattern of how they should react to situations. So for example, um, something minor as somebody who's stressed out, I use a prime example. I have to deal with the kids all the time about not overreacting to when they're seeing lizards and bugs. Because when soon as Gina sees one, it's like yelling <laughs> in the spirit through the house, running through the house, and like everything is going crazy. It's like it's on the glass, it's outside the door, and it's like panic mode. But it's, it's not even near you, it can't get to you. And Madison has started to do that too. But it, but the boys have learned now that it's like kind of walk them away, <laughs> come get me, or go find and figure out how to take care of it because they see that that high high stress level of anxiety kicks in like that, and that's just a simple situation. We're not even talking about those things that are on on the brain that we're not even they don't even know, but they see reactive situation about the job, about money, about relationship, about everything else that goes on, about school, about work. All the other things people are always watching and seeing how you deal with things. Um, and again, I'm not saying you have to put it on the front, but there's a just you have to know that you're setting the expectation or you're setting a standard by which others, especially kids involved, will react as well. And we're not doing them justice by giving them, not giving the opportunity to see, okay, a different way to approach the situation because it's all they know. And as they get older, they're going to do the same thing over again. It becomes a cycle. Yes. The repetition of just like you said, when they, when they see every time any insignificant bug comes around, mommy's freaking out. That means that there, there must be something those bugs are like, will kill you. Like there's absolutely no way that they won't take you out. And if you are pushing that met, like it's just like you said, man, <laughs> It's a centipede. Yeah, like what are you what are you doing? But I think um, you know, we all get caught up in that, right? And and it's hard to have that mind adjustment of, you know, realizing, especially with fears, right, that you can't project those onto your children and you have to be well, have to do a better job of mentally um, you know, calming yourself down in order, you know, a thing like heights to 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 not push that fear onto your child because there are plenty of people who enjoy heights and will do stuff up there. And it's okay that it's not your favorite, but there's no reason that you need to project that onto, you know, your children. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I want to back up from the, from the fear conversation because we know we covered that. said He wants to talk about it. So forget you. Yeah, but he said he's not afraid of anything uh, other than uh, the automatic uh, 
hand dryers in the public restrooms. <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, you know, you tell him to stay still, and he walks up under the dryer, and the dryer kicks on, <laughs> and uh, he bolts. But getting back off of the fear and going back to, to the disorders, um, so yes. There are a lot of things that we set um, from our experiences and how we deal with the kids growing up, but I want to get to adults and things that we go through. So we don't realize how things impact us. So I know somebody mentioned, you know, graduating college, right? So graduating college, it's just like when you um, move up to the next level of your sports competition, right? You might've been the brightest, smartest person in your school, and then you get to college and all of a sudden now, oh man, um, there's there's a whole gang of smart kids here. <laughs> I, I ain't never seen or heard of. Right? It's right. just changed the game on you. Right. right. I'm, I'm used to being the one in class that when I talk, everybody turns and looks at me like, wow. Right. And now I'm sitting here talking to people just looking at me like, that was you just dumb. Right. right. You, like, you, you paying attention to what's right. wrong? Isn't there an old saying that a, a high school A is a college C? Depending yeah, on what high school you're at, yeah. School. I, I, I can believe that. Yeah, I didn't say yeah. high school I mean, and then, You know, so it's not just that. I mean, you take it to the workplace, right? All of a sudden, you get, you get a promotion or you get a new job, and you go from being, man, I was killing – killing it at my last place of employment or I was killing it in my own position and now you just average. And some people don't know how to recover from that. I think there's a book that says what got you uh what got you here won't get you there. Right? I don't and believe that. You don't believe it? Nah. Cause so, I think there's a there's some maturation and growth along the way. But if I I'll take myself for an example, and maybe I might be an exception. I don't know. I don't want to give myself that much credit. But I like to believe that the monster that my job is creating inside of me has always been there. And it may have reared its head in certain instances when I was at CarMax or Target or even when I was running buses with Coach. But I think the thing that got me to this position is are the same things. There's some core things in there that are going to get me beyond it. I just have to remember to listen to myself, trust myself, learn along the way, but continue doing what I do best. Similar to what we got in that disc assessment, in my okay. opinion. Okay, but what you just said was you get there, you learn, you develop. If you don't acknowledge that you need to learn or develop, then you're going to have the same skill set. I think that's where that's where ego comes into play, right? Mm -hmm. So some people get into a new situation and still feel like, oh, I am the smartest person I know. I'm the smartest mm -hmm. person that everybody knows. And those people are the people that struggle because, one, you're not being treated like a superstar. Two, you're not really performing like a superstar. You're performing like anybody else. And if you're not really willing to accept the things that are going to help you develop, then all of a sudden now you're going through post-traumatic stress disorder. Because you're probably going to jump from job to job, career to career, trying to find that success that you once had. And once enough people keep telling you that, no, you're not what you think you are, 
now all of a sudden you shut down, you become a former, you become a shell of your former self because that confidence is gone. Yeah. Right. And it I, takes I think- everybody to build that person back up. But it has to be the right situation because you have to decide that you're going to want to get better and you're going to listen to what the people are telling you that's going to help you get better. That's the biggest hurdle, though, right? I mean, I think all of us kind of deal with that in the workplace or there might be one person in the workplace that, that falls into that situation. Um, and it, it's kind of trying. How, how do you reach that person? You know what I'm saying? How do you find that in yourself? You know, like. Well, and, and that's where that's where <laughs> kind of like I told I, I, at the, the speech I gave this week, uh, the presentation I did this week. That was my thing. It's like as a boss or as a leader, we are always expecting that our people are going to stretch themselves to learn that new thing, to get to that next level. But how often do we look inward and figure out how we're going to stretch ourselves as the leader or as the person in charge to reach and connect with that person to be able to get them to that level? to that point of they're now accepting the feedback, they're now accepting the instruction we're giving them to get better. So it's it's a two-way street. And I don't know if we always look at that. And I think that's one of the main things that starts you down that road in the workplace of you having some type of disorder is that, you know, or, the, or that stress is that there's there's that back and forth isn't there because you as the boss or the leader you end up feeling like, man, I can't develop anybody. I can't get these folks to perform. We're not delivering. And then now all of a sudden, now you start in a cycle, mm. right? And that's why I always tell people, look, as, as, a, as a supervisor, uh, employee, boss, employee, however you want to term it, you're the, you're the person at the higher level. It is a, there needs to be a mutual benefit, mm-hmm. right? Because the people that you manage – they are as much showing you how to be a better manager and hoping that you will develop diverse set of skills on how to manage in the workplace. And then from the associate standpoint or the employee standpoint, they're depending on you to connect your, your goals and your desires with the overall goals and desires of the workplace. So it's, it's a mutual thing. And if everybody doesn't subscribe to that mutualism, then you don't grow. And you end up with people at multiple levels that are going through something that may not know how to deal with it. Well, those are the organizations that have high turnover because folks continually going somewhere else. The leader, supervisor, boss isn't clear on what they're looking for when they hire folks. So you hire somebody that doesn't quite get the job and they either firing or they quitting. And right. those people with high potential, high aspirations, they don't see growth, so they leave. Yep. And, and just like we were talking about with the kids and sports and whatever they're going through, the key is creating that safe environment, mm-hmm. right? We need to feel safe. Like I can come to you and talk about my concerns. I can talk to you about what I think my weaknesses are and not feel like I'm being judged or, or treated differently because of it. Mm-hmm. It works the same way for the kids as it does for the people in, in, in your workplace, because if they can't come talk to you, then that's just going to fester. And it's going to grow into disengagement and other things. That's just not productive for anybody. 
And you see that in like coaches. I can I won't necessarily say for well in some cases for professional sports, but a lot in specifically college sports. So you think about college football, you think about college basketball. Even now that you watch like the college world series, like those coaches that are able to have conversations with their players, it's almost like your high school when you go back and you go see certain teachers. It's like they continually have those players that have gone on to do other things. They have gone on to start their own business. They've gone on to be successful in their careers. They've also gone on to do things in professional sports, but they all come back and you can see that there's that conversation because they say, I talk to them daily. I talk to them about advice. Because um, they made it bigger than the sport. You know, right. like even you have at, to yeah, in the job, in the relationship, at home, you got to make it bigger than just that that one situation. So, Mike, when you talk about how you didn't want to pass that same anxiety and pressure on, on to little Mike and, and even Dez, I mean, maybe you gave some of it to Dez because you were still in that, you know, I guess the sort of stage where she had the basketball in her crib as soon as she was, you know, born or whatnot. But you still were able to provide her, I guess, with the right tutelage to be able to handle that pressure so if she wanted to play basketball she could if she didn't she didn't you know you never tried to live your dream through her and i think it takes a special type of whether it be an employer or a special type of person in a relationship or whatever to not want to project your your wants or how you want to live your life onto that other person but what you said is key right there because that that realization uh that we believe might have doesn't translate to a lot of folks. So you have those people, um, you hear about them in small towns, big cities all over the place that um, miss their opportunity or miss their shot and now their kids are being pushed to do the same thing over again. And then the actual manifestation of from the adult ends up, and, and I was just sitting here thinking, listening to the whole story, thinking about it. So the manifestation of it really comes in the effect of you have that dad or mom even becomes that coach and is like one of the worst people you've ever met because they can't let go of the things that didn't happen for them or worst of, worst of all turn to drugs, alcohol or something as an outlet to for that whatever that situation is and they're, that's just being projected again on that kid. I, I go back to kids all the time. It's just the easiest example to draw because now they don't have a choice. You're going to play basketball. You're going to play football. You're going to be great. You're going to go out there and I'm going to be your manager. You're going to do all the stuff. And then as soon as something, the kids show a side of, I don't, that's not my path or whatever. It's like, well, you're not really mine. Then. I kind of disown you. I've seen it time and time again, no matter what neighborhood, no matter what state you live in. Um, and those type of things. And we talk about post-traumatic, like those situations have to be addressed. Like there's something going on that that person can't, I'm not going to say let go. I'm going to say can't learn from that opportunity and see all the other things that, that came from it afterwards that has shaped their life to be what it is now. And how can we reconfigure everything to get back on the track where we're all moving forward? And I'm pushing people forward in the right direction of what they want to do. Not because I have something, I'm living my dream through you, basically what you just said at the end of that. And even the message to Des was different. The message wasn't, you know, you're going to get, you know, if you want to play in the WNBA, okay, but it's, I'm having you learn basketball skill because they expect you to graduate from college. So girls don't leave early. They get scholarships. They stay for four years and they become doctors, lawyers, nurses. They're good. They got their four years paid for. And very few of them in all female collegiate sports 
go to that next level because there aren't that many opportunities for them to go to the next level. And if mm-hmm. it is, it's not the dollar amount that you have for males. Mm-hmm. So this is a tool that can be used for you just like everything else. You're going to use this, you get your education. Like there's a different um, environment around women's sports than there is around men's sports in terms of just how they progress you through the whole like the AAU scene for girls isn't as crazy as it is for boys. The fans aren't all fighting in the stands and all type of craziness for girls sports in high school. Like it just isn't that. Um, So there is, it just may not, it's not as, but I guarantee there are some places in America where there are Mm -hmm. some fights in the basketball stands for female games. I also want to make sure that we understand this is not isolated to sports. There are parents out there right now pushing their child to be a doctor or a lawyer or something Mm -hmm. else that is not in their child's um, mental, you know what I mean? And and what that they want to do that that's one of the hardest steps as, as parents is being able to that same piece, but it's not isolated to sports, right? It's isolated across the board. When you're sitting there, um, in that space of feeling like there was something you missed out on or some opportunity or some career path that you wanted to take that you thought was so amazing that all of a sudden now you're projecting that onto your child and telling them that this is what they have to do and this is who they have to be. You you at ultimately have no right for that, right? You have no clue or understanding truly what a baby is going to be able to mentally um, understand and, and, and learn from over time and what they're going to like and what they're going to be good at and, and what's going to really be their um, thing, you know, throughout life, that that's the hardest step is not, you have to learn from your past, but you also have to be um, open and pliable enough to understand. It's not um, just because you assume you've learned something, you may find out later that, oh, wow, what I learned was incorrect. Now I have to relearn or re, you know, my re uh, challenge my understanding of that. But that's that's what life is. Yeah, yeah. and, so, and slate. And you just hit something that was key, and I, I think we keep trying to drive that. Look, we're, we keep referencing sports, but this is more than sports, right? So in your household, if your child has been there or your children have been there to witness divorce, mm-hmm. what is the post traumatic stress that comes from that? Right. I don't know if people really understand or have studied that. I think we've all seen some form of divorce, some form of separation, and we end up in dysfunctional relationships because of what the examples were before us of what a relationship was. And that now filters into you. And I don't think anybody ever goes back to um, address that or to review that with you. Like you go to marriage counseling and they don't ask you about, well, what were the examples of marriage that you had before you? Right. They, they don't. I mean, are these like licensed and licensed uh, psychiatric professionals? Like I would want to get to the root. That seems like the, the biggest thing. And I think the, the reason we tend to struggle in relationships as men is because we don't necessarily have the best examples. And, and, and women. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, just put don't, it on us. And not, women. There are a lot of things that, women will learn from their mother mm-hmm. on how to relate to a man and it, it might not be the, the best example. And it, it may, it look, it, it, again, a two way street mutualism. You know what I mean? How, how are we now benefiting each other? How are we bringing 
our learned practices together to, to, to now form our own practice. And, and, and that's where the challenge comes in. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. It, it's not just about post-stress disorder, you know, in, in, in athletics. It's so many different experiences. And the whole reason that we're even on is because we're wrapping up our, our wellness month. And, and, and that's where we are is, is, is what is what is your free throw? And look, and look, hey, Mike, look, I want to go somewhere right now because just for you having that response means that it's still there. It's still there, yeah. Right? I don't leave, though, man. It's track meets that I can go back to. Like, I don't don't know if it ever leaves. You kind of grow to that acceptance part of it, but it's this thing, it's always there. I mean, yeah, it's always there. But what does that now do to you, right? When you drop the baton, you know, what is that now? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because there are other things in your life that you're looking at being a provider for your family. And you're like, man, if this doesn't happen, it's like, I dropped the baton all over again. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, I dropped, I, I didn't, I didn't make the free throw all over again. Right. And what type of pressure is that putting on you that you don't even realize that is going all the way back to that. So Mike, I got to ask you, what does it take for you to free yourself from missing the free throws? Uh, literally, I went through uh, literally maybe about a four or five year period where after that, once I stopped, like literally, I had to make those free throws. So I would sit in the CSR, I shoot free throws all day, just bang them, bang them, bang them. And then literally, I'm like, all right, it's one and one. You at the free throw line, you got to make it. And it took me to a point like, you know what, this is stupid. Like, the game is over. Like, I still have the reaction, but the stress level of going through it, like, once I made them at a period of time and kind of realized it's just a game, it has no point to it, um, I think that kind of allowed me to move forward. Um, There's still, like, the thought process of, yeah, what could have been, but I'm good. Like, I understand. I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm happy with the development and the path that I'm on. And I realized it was putting me on this path. It was literally one of those life moments where you either got to go right or go left. That was you're going this way. So those experiences that I had leading to it helped me be who I am. But I, but I think to put the bow on it, you have to realize that it's not just a game. It's your life, Right. And you have to win that moment mentally in your life in order for you to get to the next game, mm. right? So there's the next level in your life that you have to get to that if you're still holding on to those free throws, you can't get to, and the universe isn't going to give it to you because the universe said, man, you still sitting there thinking about those free throws. How am I going to put you in the next game? Mm. Mm. I like it. Good point. I like it. I think we're going to wrap that right there. Good Face point. on. Mm. Wake up, man. Listen, I, I've been here. I've yeah, been, you've been here, but you've been I, here. But no, there's sometimes, I think an old teacher told me back in my high school day, if you don't have anything to say that would add to a conversation, it's better to be quiet than to be the idiot in the room. But and, you do talk to us about when you missed that dance step. Ooh. Hey. Oh, hey. Whoa, I didn't know it. That's because. I knew that you I can't would, start rationalizing. Now, no, 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 no. Accept it. We no, talk no. about acceptance. No, listen, listen. <laughs> I knew that there was myself and Anthony Burrell. We were both in the same dance school. 
And you know how you, you're on a team with someone you know, hey, they're going to be an all-star. And I say Anthony Burrell sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty pretty famous. Yeah, he had a reality TV show for a little while. He's um, opening a new studio with Beyonce, with Mariah, worked, he's, yeah. Okay. But, um, so him and I are best friends. I always knew that he was, he had just naturally the talent to go forward. I was like, hey, this is, I'm doing this for now. This is not my, my end. So I thought it would be as fun. So I never, I haven't had that competition thing. The only thing I think I did have that with was FBLA. When we had, um, we were doing presentations and using COBOL for accounting, but I won. Uh, but I knew it wasn't going to be the end. I couldn't sit in a, in a cubicle. So I don't have any, any, any pros to met for uh, PTS. Uh, the uh, concern with that. Uh, I have to dig deep in my head to find some. I'm sure there's some somewhere, but uh, I don't have any that I can recall right now. So I just enjoyed the quiet time and, and listening because it was good to not put Arenze and Namdi in that situation. So I was a student today and I enjoyed learning. So that's why I was quiet. And not to mention my sons are upstairs uh, fighting with each other uh, over a car. So I had to be on mute most of the time because there was ferocious banging. And, yeah, the gentle <laughs> giants up there. So, yeah, that all composed to one big enjoying session from uh, hearing you guys speak today. It was great. So I uh, appreciate that. But funny thing is that, you know, usually I, I think of these things, I'm going to say, you know, couple days before we get to the topic even before you tell us what we're talking about i kind of have an idea of what i want to say and it somehow always works out in the end so this week it was uh be willing to lose the battle to win the war so it's, it's an old saying that i was thinking about but like it literally hits it right on the head today because there's times that you think about you're gonna lose and but it's not like you're losing now but overall like carol said you're opening up a new path and this path might not be yours but if you were so focused on that one battle you might have thought about the end game that you're working with. So it was just cool. And that's my corner there. Appreciate it. I go back on mute because these guys are getting angry again upstairs. <laughs> that's Easy. Interesting. Cause those boys are big, man. When they get man. You need to put them in some dance classes so they can be light on their feet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. It's yeah. going to be some furniture moving. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> DJ awesome. Barry, be fresh, man. Our entrepreneur ninja. What you got for us this week? Uh, you know, we are going to stay in line with um, ultimately uh, change management, right? So as a business, what happens a lot of times is people are limited and, and not okay with accepting that they need to change certain aspects or pieces in order to have the success that they want in their business. And as an owner, as an entrepreneur, anything that you are, when you are inside of your business, if you are finding things are not successful, it is hard to get on the mindset and understanding of getting outside yourself. Well, I mean, I've got the best food in here. I've got the, you know, our food is the best. We're this, we're that. You have to get out of the mindset of being yourself and understand if, if everything was really that great, then you wouldn't be even having this initial conversation at all because everything would be great. Being able to keep your third eye open and understand that's in business, it is okay and un um, acceptable to have to reorganize, re-challenge yourself in order to re-execute on a, on a better or higher a level. That's exactly what you need to do. So always make sure you're taking that evaluation of what's going on. Understand that what you think may be the best way, there is potentially a better way to do it. 
And so always stay on your P's and Q's, always be observative, but always be um, willing and understanding to know that change management can potentially impact and help your business. And if you need some help with change management, you can holler at your number one entrepreneur ninja. We do that too at Acuitive. I'm more than just a DJ. I'm more than a motivator. I'm all, all of that. I don't know. I can, I can finish it off great. But y'all know what I mean. Pressure biz. We here. Entrepreneur ninjas. Ladies and gentlemen, remember you can get this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Catch the videos on Vimeo, YouTube, Facebook. My man Fresh is major with the Instagrams and the social media posting. Um, and then get connected with us on social media at 13th floor, please. You can also make sure you hit us in the comments, man. Like our biggest fan. What's his name again, Carol? I don't want to. Howard. 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 Yeah. We'll do Howard. Big shout out, Howard. Hit us in the comments, man. Don't be afraid. We don't bite too hard. Yeah, I'm biting Howard. (laughs) (laughs) Coach K, man, how you gonna rap us? Uh, For one, you definitely don't bite Howard. Listen, man, if if anything ever happens in the world and stuff is just pandemonium, like if they ever have uh, the purge, I'm going to Howard's house. Oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, he's that guy. Yes, he's that. Right. Guy. I'm just uh, playing, bro. It's all jokes. Yeah, to wrap this up, uh, look, I don't know what your stress is, but what I will tell you is, is that there is somebody that has gone through what you are going through, or what you went through, and the person that you were when whatever stress occurred is not the person that you are now. Don't let what that stress was define who you are now and who you will be in the future. Find yourself a, a, a community, a group that you can share your experiences with and learn that, hey, the 13th these floor. we go through, they're, they're normal. They're just normalized stuff that everybody goes through. And what determines your future mindset is how you deal with it, how you respond. You don't have to be trapped in that divorce. You don't have to be trapped in that, in that, uh, this dismissal from school. You don't have to be trapped in that sporting event that maybe it was your fault. You lost that game. There is something else out there for you and realize that the person that you are now is not the person you were then. And it's not the person that you will be if you claim that victory and get to the next level. There it is. Claim that victory, baby. We are out of here on the 13th floor where the furniture is always the best, but the views are amazing. Here to it hurts. Luke Cage, dab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter dabs for everything now. She even sad dab. The 13th floor. floor. The 13th floor. floor.